Welcome to a very special episode of Second Chance Cinema called Be Kind Rewind. This is an episode from our first season, recut, remixed, and re-edited for your listening pleasure. Fair warning, there's cursing, <laughs> and our hosts do spoil movie endings, but we also promote the movies, as is our goal with them all. Enjoy the show. Hey, lights. So what do you say? I I said we could look into it. All right. Okay. At least I'll tell your mother. <laughs> I would never. slushy stop. They have them in there, right? That or something worse for you. Do you have money? Yeah. Okay, well, quick in and out, because we got to get home. All right. Hey, honey. It's me. I just wanted to let you know that our son is going to Canada to play hockey, and uh, we didn't want any kind of long, drawn-out goodbye, so I dropped him off at the airport. He says he'll call, but... Of course, we may never see our son again, but as long as he's happy, right? Okay. I love you, and uh, we'll be home soon. You just bought yourself a death sentence, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so this is the first time you've seen this movie. This is the first time I've seen this movie. So this is a movie, and I've 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 come to learn that there are quite a few movies on the list of episodes we've done that appealed to me largely because I was in when I when I saw them, and what this was 2007. So yeah, yes. that lines up perfectly. I was in a deep deep state of just chaotic depression and sitting back and watching whatever was on cinemax and stars was just like my safe place at the time for probably about five years or so i giggle a little bit because it seems like it was so long ago and and um i mean it was it's 12 years well yeah i've i've you know i've learned to deal with my depression a little bit better now but in those days like i'm thinking specifically of like lakeview terrace was one of them Mm mm-hmm this movie was one of them, and I can't remember. There was another one that we used to that we did that that was just like always on, and was just like it was very comforting to watch. Which is weird to say about a movie like this. Yeah, this is that's not- so violent and disturbing. So 
first impressions what do you think For, well it's right up my alley concerning the fact i think i've said it multiple times on the show that i love revenge flicks. vigilantes like, yeah yep like that's that's my bread and butter and it was immediately so i don't when i'm about to dive into something i don't like to watch trailers i don't like to read what it's about this you know it goes from books to plays to to movies i like to be as uninformed as possible so going into this i did not know you said it was kevin bacon i will say a criticism right off the bat is the title death sentence because it's such a popular phrase that when you put death sentence into Google, ah, you get okay. news articles. You don't get True, the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you got to do death sentence Kevin Bacon. And I was thinking, is this the first Kevin Bacon movie we've done? Yes. That seems weird to me that we've done 20 plus episodes and have not once hit on Kevin Bacon. But I feel like we could do 20 plus episodes of Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon and be one degree off. Because oh, like, we've sure. done Garrett Hedlund before. Oh, I'm sure, this. I'm sure, I'm sure. But it struck me that that it just because of that, the Six Degrees phenomenon, that we haven't stumbled upon a Kevin Bacon movie yet. Well, that's fun. And maybe, maybe we have. Like, I'll do a deep dive on that. The one question I had so Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon is kind of like an Ethan hawk right celebrity wise would you say i don't know i mean kevin bacon was the shit like in the 80s right like footloose and all that like i i don't know that and ethan i think like Hawk... well ethan hawk was like the alternative kevin bacon because he was like starring in you know those indie hits like bizarro kevin bacon yeah i guess i don't know i guess i never really saw like i i feel like in terms of star power which is a stupid thing to begin with but like i don't know that like my mom would know who kevin bacon is i don't think she would know who ethan hawk was really I don't, I mean, I think her reaction would be like, oh, is he, is he an actor? Rather than like, oh yeah, he was the guy from Training Day and I was just trying to think of like Kevin Bacon. I don't, I guess I don't understand A-list. Like what's A-list? Okay. Maybe I'm thinking more the concept of Kevin Bacon (laughs) than the actual Kevin Bacon. Does that make sense? Like the, the, the idea of the idea of Kevin Bacon, the aura of Kevin Bacon. Because I don't think kids today would know who Kevin... Like, oh, I'd absolutely like, oh, not. Footloose Kevin Bacon. You don't know Footloose? Absolutely. No, they would know Footloose as uh, Dennis Quaid, right? Wasn't he the mean preacher or in the, the new one? The chick from Dancing with the Stars. Whatever, yeah. Julianne uh, Huff? Yeah, I, you've lost me, but yes. Um, <laughs> Kevin Bacon, because of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon thing, I think, has become more than himself as an actor. Mm. And not, I mean, I, th- I think, he, I like him. I think he's awesome. You know, everything I've seen him in, like, I've been, like, either, like, solid or really a fan of the performance. Well, Especially I- even in, like, like in, like, A Few Good Men, where he... Oh, yeah. Like, his character wasn't anything spectacular in terms of... What's on the page? Right. It wasn't an attorney. He was very, like, straight-laced. He was just very... Like, but, but he, but, but it was a good character and it was, it was cool to see him kind of one-on-oneing it with Tom Cruise when they would argue and stuff like that. But again, it wasn't something that was like over the top. Like he wasn't Danny Caffey in that movie. Right. You know, he was the foil. And I feel like a lot of his roles have been like that. So when you see him in a movie like this, where he's, to me, this was like out of character for what largely I feel like I've seen him in Mm. because he's become this like brooding vigilante. But he plays it like in his vein. Like what I like, well, about and that's the thing, and that's yeah. We and we could talk about that a little bit later. But what were you gonna say? Oh, I just 
there are certain actors out there there are certain actors that take everything kind of over the top like a little bit more so they appear in the trailer you know right type of people where i feel like kevin bacon is one of those that that looks for like the realism Uh, and the the subtlety i think is the Mm. word maybe i was looking for like with a few good men and even in did you ever see hollow man yeah so like that he's basically like a psychopath um he's like a genius psychopath which i have mixed feelings about hollow man i think i have more positive Feelings about oh, Hollow yeah. Man than that new Invisible Man movie coming out. Didn't see that anything about that. But Hollow Man was like Hollow Man. There's a part where he beats up a dog, which obviously I'm not a fan of. But the rest of Hollow Man, I thought was pretty ingenious and pretty like. I feel like that was early 2000s ish, mm. and the visual effects in that movie were just like wow. Right. Well, and the the great thing. Oh my, this is jumping way off. But like the the great we thing are, about we are like, six <laughs> minutes in and we have not even started talking about the movie. I mean, kind of. Oh, a little uh, bit. Go on. But the uh, so like the genius thing about Hollow Man and invisibility in general is it seems like a great idea until you're in it and then you you slowly go insane because nobody can see you and you know you lose your mind this new invisible man movie that's coming out with uh elizabeth moss as a girl the guy is already insane and then turns himself invisible and i'm like oh my gosh you just lost like the best thing about invisibility oh yeah because it's the descent right so, but he, I guess my point was, even when Kevin Bacon was, I forget what his name was in that movie, uh, in Hollow Man, but uh, he was a psychopath, he basically had a superpower, and to that point, even in uh, X-Men First Class, when he was um, Shaw, he was a supervillain, but he was still very subtle, but very menacing, and I feel like that's what he is in this movie, too. I forgot that he was in that X-Men movie. He was, and I think a lot of people have forgotten about those X-Men movies because they've just become so bad recently but um his hollow man name was sebastian sebastian yeah that's right stir of echoes was another very good i think i got on the kevin bacon trip because you remember mr hody yeah and how mr hody played kevin bacon's father and like telling lies in america oh yeah but he was like cut from the film but he still had his photograph in the film so he still got paid for it that's right yep so death sentence Let's play the trailer, shall we? All right. You just want to jump into the... We'll jump into the the trailer. We're going to write some poems. We're going to play the trailer, and then we'll be back to discuss Death Sentence from 2007, which is our first, first degree of Kevin Bacon film on Second Chance Cinema. Here is the trailer. Okay, guys. Brandon Hume, you've just won MVP. Number one. Number one. Number one. Nick? Hey, honey. I just wanted to let you know that our son is going to Canada to play hockey. I love you, and we'll be home soon. Hey, where do you think you're going? I need something to drink, Dad. Okay, we'll quick in and out, because we got to get home. All right. Get down! You can do this. (laughs) Number five. animal in jail i want this guy to go away for the rest of his life i've got one eyewitness you we've just got your word i'm dismissing this case mr darley you are released from custody you kidding me your brother dude he's dead I say who lives, I say who dies. I'm coming for you. 
coming for the rest of your family. You just bought them a death sentence. I really don't care what happens to me. I just need them to be safe. How do I make it stop? You started the war. God help you. I need guns. You got three ground. Back from the trailer, solid trailer. Solid trailer. Makes you want to find out what's going on, kind of gives you an insight into like, oh, this guy killed his son, and now he's off, and now what's going to happen, mayhem. It kind of uh, introduces you to James Wan, I would say. Yeah, what did? What else did he, he directed one or more of the Fast and the Furious movies. He definitely did seven, I know that. He also did, he did the Aquaman movie. Oh, that's right. He's Reason. doing Mortal Kombat right now. That's right. Yeah, that's where I've seen him recently. Oh, Saw is what is on like the the DVD case from oh, the director okay. of Saw. Oh, nice. All right. All right, let's get into some poetry. You want to go first? All right. Well, I wrote, it, it was a long trailer, as everybody just heard. So I wrote a haiku because I was writing a poem and the poem wasn't going very well. So then I switched <laughs> to haiku. Okay. And then I almost started another haiku because the trailer was long. All right. So, the poem that I had going was, and there's a theme to both of them. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Kelly Preston. Right. Is perfection. Did I mention she's in death sentence? (laughs) That's where it kind of just... Okay. It trailed off. So, then my haiku was... Do you have a thing for Kelly Preston? Oh, my gosh. So, the haiku is Kelly Preston. Duh. Kevin Bacon wraps his head and goes tit for tat. Okay, so that's that's beautiful. That was really nice. <laughs> mine is less beautiful. Uh, mine is a a rhyme, a limerick, I think. <laughs> Kevin Bacon kicks everyone's asses. Not one punk gets any free passes. He kills one and all. His morals all fall. How thick were John Goodman's glasses? <laughs> Nice. <clears throat> right? Yeah. Great cameo well, from John Goodman. That's the only thing I had in my second haiku was John Goodman specs. Okay, good. I'm glad you noticed it too. Mm-hmm. They were just like Coke bottles right. just soldered to his yeah. face. You've never seen John Goodman like this before? Nope. So, ever. so we start off with Kevin Bacon and his son driving home from a hockey tournament or something like that. You start with the home videos, which oh, I've right. always... Okay. I've always like appreciated home video, like how they do it in film. Like I always wonder, kind of like what's what's the setup? You know, do they just give the birthday cake and then say like go at it, or is that oh, you like, mean like how they shoot them? Yeah, like oh, yeah, how they yeah. plan it all out. Yeah. Like do they? I mean, I don't think it's scripted. You know what had a good? Say, like, um, I think it's all ad libbed. Gone in sixty seconds has the opening scene with that annoyingly catchy Moby song. I think, but <laughs> all there's of a Moby whole, is annoyingly catchy. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. But um, they do this like like a one shot thing where they go around like a table or a room and they just show different photos and like memories and stuff like that and it's it's what you're saying but without the home video trope mm-hmm. it was really good except i remember there was one picture they showed that was just so obviously photoshopped oh, of like nicholas cage and giovanni rubisi together like but on bodies that were like super small or whatever right but the f- that that trope of like introducing a movie and a family through home videos and and like old photographs and stuff like that 
Definitely a good setup for this movie. Yeah. Very bad, effective. Bad photoshopping and family photographs <laughs> is probably one of my top three pet fees. The first one is the people that smoke that have, don't smoke. And so they just inhale the cigarette and then push out the smoke immediately from their mouths. Oh. And it's kind of like, if they're not going to do it right, like, don't put it on film. Oh. So him and his son are... Um headed home from a hockey tournament they stop and the whole time they're sort of like romanticizing this kid's future career as a hockey player Mm -hmm. and like talking about you know whether he's going to go to college or whatever or become a pro hockey player and this kid has the world at his fingertips and he's like this golden boy and all that kind of stuff and you get that right away then they stop at this gas station kid goes in to buy a slurpee they set it up kind of the old urban legend where if somebody has their lights off on the road and oh, you right, flash right, them, right, like right. that's going to be gang initiation. They're going to follow you wherever. Right. So that happens in the film. And so you go, oh, man, they're going to turn their cars around and deal with them. But I feel like them all ending up at the same gas station was kind of coincidence. Serendipitous? Yeah. Other than the fact that then Aisha Taylor was like, no, this was gang initiation. So I guess they did follow him to the gas station. Is it? It's Aisha Tyler, right? Or Taylor? I don't know her. Tyler. It's Tyler. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's Tyler. Is it? Yeah. Um, But anyway, so they go to the gas station and the kid gets... Detective Willis. They go to... The, the new kid in the gang, Joey, who's like the, the younger brother or whatever, the runt, he gets initiated by going in, holding up this liquor store and killing the kid. No! This is your man! This is your man! Oh, for Jack, really? Get this mother! Get your gun! Do this! Are you not one of us? You can do this. Kill that motherfucker, Joey. That's my boy. And then it fast forwards to basically the process of of this kid being put on trial oh well he does get hit by the car let's not forget that yeah fuck you because that came out of nowhere and that was kevin bacon also tackled him he did oh right and he looked him right in the face but then the kid like escaped and and just like stumbled out into the street and then final destination style just with the car (laughs) that's how he gets captured and then it sets up the whole court procedure where this was the first movie i think maybe not the first movie but i feel like this was a movie that did a good job with like the neutered justice system where the guy's like i can put him away for whatever it was three or five three to five years guaranteed and that lawyer was a douchebag yeah that was a smarmy smarmy i mean i don't know what he's like in real life but he played a good like i did not like that lawyer. no and you didn't and that's that's what that's that's kind of what i was alluding to is like that made you feel very sympathetic for kevin bacon because it was um law-abiding citizen was what we taught was the same sort of setup his Mm -hmm. family gets killed and the lawyer's like you know this is the best i can do with the way the evidence was handled blah 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 and it's like but wait a minute as the viewer we just saw it all happen we're witnesses right interrogate us you know like we just saw all this shit happen so you kind of feel the helplessness when kevin bacon like makes the sub the the subconscious choice to be like i'm gonna let him go and deal with him myself so Mm -hmm. he refuses to testify or rather he says it was he wasn't sure that it was that it was this kid and the kid gets to go free how did it go they let him go they did what why 
don't think it was him. Well, you said it was him. You said they had him. Are they going to keep looking? Yeah, I said they would. Jesus. I'm sorry. What do you want and me to do? And then we sort of learn more about the gang. The gang comes to pick him up at the courthouse. We learn that, like, it's his older brother, Garrett Hedlund, who's, they, they sort of paint him as, like, a criminal mastermind of the city or whatever. He's, mm-hmm. like, a big deal. Everybody knows him. Everybody's afraid of him. Ish. I was very confused, I guess, of, like, how much power the gang actually had. Right. Because they didn't seem like very smart people. And then John Goodman was their kind of their controller. And he also just called them all nitwits and, you know, like, was very angry with them. Like, when they bring in the book bag that, like, one single dollar bill falls out of for the drop and John Goodman's like, never be light again. Like, that was severely light. So, I was like, how much power, (laughs) how much are they bringing in? So, maybe it's just more like the viciousness of them. Yeah. Like, maybe that's what, because... um, Well, they got the George Clooney from Dust Till Dawn tats, you know, like, going up their neck and And, everything um, like that. Aisha Tyler was very aware of them. She called, I think she's like, his name in the movie, Garrett Hedlund, is Billy Darley. And she's like, Billy Darley's an animal. <laughs> you know, like she knew right away who he was. Yeah, and he's the worst of them. It seemed like almost like in, in movies like, you know, mafia movies. And the mafia's not that bad. Not that, not that bad. bad. <laughs> mafia movies, you hear legends of what the mafia guys have done and all that kind of stuff. But then they have all these like high powered attorneys that get them off and, mm. you know, keep them out of jail and stuff like that. Didn't strike me that this gang would have any such legal clout. Right. So it makes you kind of wonder where the disconnect is, where she knows this guy's such a, like, threat. Why isn't he in jail? Right. So right. Maybe that's thinking too hard. <laughs> but, um, so then, yeah, okay, so what happens after that? So Kevin Bacon decides to let this kid go, and then what he kind of trails him to see, like, where he where their hideout is or whatever. Yeah. Then he decides that he's going to exact street justice so the kid's throwing out something in the dumpster and then turns around and kevin bacon is just standing there right normally in hollywood movies that's when the plan comes out right and he you know he denzel washington man on fires it and like shoves a bomb up his ass and then you know talks to him for about 15 minutes right where kevin bacon as soon as he turns around you're like oh here's the moment Mm -hmm. and you realize kevin bacon has no plan he he knows he wants revenge he knows he wants to face this person not inside a courtroom he's got a knife with him though he's got a knife with him in his pocket you know like he has no idea what he's gonna do and that's kind of that's the appeal of the like movie he's to trying this to go from a to z without right. bcd because even like law-abiding citizen <laughs> i remember doing that film and being like if if somebody put me through this i would tear everybody apart mm-hmm. truth of the matter is i would stand in front of them and then go now what you know like now what am i going to do this person and well, i feel in that, like in that movie too gerard butler's character was like a genius yeah. he was a and, he, and his his revenge scheme was planned over the span of like 10 years or and this something. one like kevin bacon is an insurance salesman or something uh, like that like an investment banker i don't yeah, know yeah like so he he would not have the gerard butler plant you right. know like he would show up with a knife in his pocket and right. then stand that's in a good front point a i never i never thought about that all he was armed with was just like that knife he got from his shed and anger and sort of like what's gonna happen and and that's what comes out because when they start fighting right it is not choreographed you know like right. it is literally just I'm going to slam you against this wall. And I don't even think, it, from what I remember, he intentionally stabs the kid. It's almost accidental. It is it? accidental. Like the kid falls on the knife, mm-hmm. and then Kevin Bacon's like, because Kevin Bacon even cuts his own hand right during the scuffle, and he's kind of like, oh, you know, at that moment he's like, it's sort of like I did what I came here to do, 
but also like what the f have i done right kind of you know yeah so from there the gang gets word that joey the kid has been killed and they kind of put the pieces together and then they are able to track down that it was kevin bacon they like see his picture in a newspaper associated with his son's murder and you know somebody who was by the dumpster was like oh yeah it's that guy and whatever so then well it's not like a long road of like trying to figure out who no 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 it was aisha knew immediately as well right right yeah it was and that's a good point too it wasn't very that and that, that goes back to your point about his planning it wasn't very um you know he didn't think it all the way through right he basically just kind of like i don't even did he do anything with the knife like did he throw it in the river or anything like that i don't remember that but even so like you look back like at the courtroom thing because he was planning he wanted him to go away for life you Mm -hmm. know like and that was a a pretty that was his plan right and as and kevin bacon's acting in this put it out there it's phenomenal like the the emotions that he gets to come across is perfect and when he's sitting there and this swarmy lawyer is being like we got to cut a deal i could do three to five years i mean he could walk and whatnot and and kevin bacon's like this is he murdered my son like why are you talking to me like my son is just some you know just some add-in some throw-in to get this guy off the streets right and so in that moment in the courtroom you could see kevin bacon saying no i'm gonna let this guy go and i'm gonna get my revenge Uh but also in the same instance in a hollywood a typical hollywood movie right there in that five seconds in the courtroom he has planned out the entire movie you know right which isn't going to happen in real life right and that's what i like about death sentence this movie that i watched last night for the first time is that when he shows up to his first killing he has no plan Mm -hmm. he's like oh no i just wanted my revenge i don't know how i'm going to get it Mm -hmm. and so that makes the court go looking back at the courtroom scene that much more realistic that's very interesting you should write movies. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Well, even going forward, as he engages in more of the killings, like the second one is is when they have the scuffle like on the roof of the parking garage. Even that was him trying to escape. And right. he just happened to incidentally lock the guy in the car and push it over the thing. Right. So that was even... That wasn't planned. That was the opposite of planned, really. And it looked like he was... And that's so. Every time this was happening in the movie, I was like, "Oh no, it doesn't work if it, it if it's a planned thing." And so, as the guy's like choking him, he's kicking out the windshield, and I was like, "What? What is his plan going to be here?" Mm-hmm. And they put the car in neutral, so it starts going in reverse. So I think I think, and I, this might have been on one of the reviews I read, like the combination of helplessness and his presence as a believable vigilante badass was pretty on point Mm -hmm. and i think that's why it was such a good character yeah like by the end he starts off as as like you said helpless and you know no idea what he wants to do other than get revenge and it could be argued that like his desire to get revenge is more like instinctual and kind of almost like cultural like I should not that he doesn't love his son, but like in a situation like this, you get revenge. Like right. that's that's kind of the that, that's just what you do. Whereas he has no idea even what that's going to feel like when he does it, when it happens. Um, and it turns out like when it does happen, it's not at all what I imagine he expected. Well, and I think he. I mean, the movie is basically his identity crisis, concerning the fact that when his when his prize son, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody, even like the the other son, knows that this. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned that there's right. another. Son. He's living in his big brother's shadow, and they do a good job of setting that up. Right. But when when the prize son dies, Kevin Bacon, his whole journey in this film is that he should have protected him. Right. And so now that he can't, he has nobody to protect anymore. His whole journey is I need to avenge him. Right. Then when he avenges. 
chases him. Now he has to protect the family. And so his whole, like, he freaks out in the shower and has a crying scene. And, and his whole thing is his worth as a father. Mm-hmm. In a protector of the household. Because right. even at the end, when we get there, he has a, a scene in the hospital that says, I, I wish I was a better father. To which you kind of want to be like, get, you're doing, you were doing great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Nobody can, you know, deal with all these things that you did. It was you very much stop like. Stop going down this road. Well, it was very much like a best. Th- I get the vibe that like a lot of this movie scene from scene to scene is like the best idea he's got at that time. Mm-hmm. Like at the time of his son's murder and the you know the trial and all that like at that time the best thing he can think of to do is to get revenge by killing the other kid then when he when when they start coming after him and he realizes his family might be in danger the best thing he can think of to do is to involve the cops and it's just sort of like a it, it was a very like real progression of just like again helplessness and lack of an actual plan that sort of devolved his character in the end to just becoming something completely different than he was in the beginning and i think that's i think that's where the critics and maybe a little bit of the audience like didn't understand kind of what this movie was about mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be watching like a main character who kind of like the tony starks of the world you know like they're supposed to know exactly what to do in situations right. and you kind of just sit back and go along for the ride until two-thirds of the way through the movie when you're supposed to have an all is lost moment and then you go all right how is the character going to get out of this right where this whole movie is pretty much an all is lost moment and you have to see like how right. kevin bacon is going to deal with the situation right. at hand like you were saying so it becomes a war then between kevin bacon and the gang mm-hmm. specifically garrett headland's billy darley the rest of the gang is just kind of like and that was another part that i wasn't over like i like when there are movie like when there are movies with gangs or like even just groups of people i like when they're fleshed out a little bit more right there was the the young kid who kevin bacon killed first joey billy the leader and then there was the black guy who was like Billy, or yeah, Billy's like second in command. Eddie, you, Gatha- you got the feeling. Eddie Gathagi. Is that his real name? He read for me. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think he's a big player over in like Puerto Rico for like the actors down there. And oh, so- cool. And then, but then there was there were a handful of other guys that Kevin Bacon just dispatched throughout the rest of the movie right. that you know you really didn't care about, which is a small nitpick. It reminds me of like, you know, like G.I. Joe where everybody had at least like a name and kind of like a small personality or something like that. And I don't know, small nitpick. But anyway, he goes through these gang members kind of not not really one by one, but sort of one situation at a time. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's trying to kill them all off individually. It's more just like he gets put in a situation and then this guy happens to die. This guy happens to die. Rest period. Then he goes into another situation and eventually the climax. Yeah. Um, a lot of them coming after him and him just right. dispatching and finding a new spot to hide out in. <laughs> One of the two main tragedies of the movie is that they invade his house and they attack his family and they let that kind of simmer for a while while he wakes up in the hospital and then you find out they killed his wife and his son is in like critical condition. Mm-hmm. Did they intentionally leave him alive to like have to endure that or I don't remember. If Kevin, they, did they right, leave like, Kevin Bacon? They, no, right. because when he came back they said we we thought we killed you. Oh, okay. So, so they tried to kill all three of them. Mm-hmm. They only ended up killing the wife, and so now it's just Kevin Bacon, <sighs> sort of. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> I didn't know you had such a Kelly Preston thing. I, I, I think it all stems from Jerry Maguire. Oh, okay. She was in from Dust Till Dawn. Second Dust Till Dawn reference here. She played a very bit part as a news reporter in the very beginning, talking about the Gecko Brothers. Oh, I'll look, have to revisit because I don't. That's not on. Look it up. But um, yeah. 
So, yeah, so Kevin Bacon is left alive. His son is in a coma. And that's when we get sort of the the lecture, I guess, from Aisha Tyler, where it's like, I don't know what she says, but like in a war, <laughs> nobody wins and all that kind of stuff. Right. Her character was, her character seemed to me like very like authoritative and powerful, but ultimately kind of, and that was mostly like, I think her delivery and her presence, but ultimately kind of ineffective. Well, like, I think, yeah, she, right. She didn't really do anything in the movie. She didn't arrest anybody from what I remember. She didn't like... <laughs> You know, I mean, she, she, well, she said, we'll protect you. And then it, right. that was like, and then it was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> that was a, that reminded me mess. of, uh, do you remember a lethal weapon four with Chris rock where he arrests the guy and he's like, if you cannot afford an attorney, we will provide you with the dumbest fucking lawyer. That we can. <laughs> and that reminded me of the two cops they put outside their house. Like, even though they, you know, you didn't see them or they didn't have any lines or anything, but it's like, how ineffective were these cops that they're in the middle of the suburbs and like five gang members sneak up on them and right. kill them. Like whatever and they're not driving like hybrids they're driving right they're driving like giant (laughs) pimped out muscle cars like in the middle of all these kias and stuff (laughs) whatever so anyway so um we forgot to we forgot to discuss the introduction of john goodman who in this movie was and often is a treat yeah i thought he's always a pleasure to see i read on wikipedia that his name in the movie is bones but i don't remember ever hearing that in the movie and we learn later that he's got a weird accent in this almost like a boston new york accent yeah with a little bit of like a lisp attached i don't know it was a very he he plays this character who's just this like shadowy kind of underboss you get to feel who billy darley reports to him gives him the money from all their dealings like drug dealings i'm assuming and stuff like that Watch the fucking pieces. For Christ's sake, there was something unlike you. Where you been, Nancy? The fuck you call that? That's our night. When I take pity on you and your faggot half-wit friends, give me a couple of corners to run, you better deliver for me. Or I'll know you've been stealing, and I'll kill you. You be the Prince of Payan? fucking light bag me I'll fucking kill you Lord knows I've been patient <laughs> yes you can get the fuck out of my sight now we learn later that he's also Billy Darley's father mm-hmm. and that their relationship is antagonistic he thinks Billy's a screw up Billy you know resents him for still having power over him and and his gang and all that kind of stuff and john goodman i think is only in the movie for like two or three scenes right yeah i mean probably five to six minutes like at the most right but each time he's on the screen he's very i mean he like he'll he steals the scene he first dresses down billy and tells him you know to bring him you know more money or do a better job at do a better job at being a punk i guess (laughs) i don't know well they have that like layer where like it's a bunch of like beakers filled with red liquid that are just hanging up. So I feel like they're making drugs in John Goodman's place. No, in Billy's. Place. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. They call it the office, and there's a part where one of the gang members is like, "That's where they make the stuff," or whatever. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they never really say what it was. Mm-hmm. Could have been. They could have been fermenting wine. It could have been. You know. I mean, that could have been an urban vineyard. Little prison wine. Urban vineyard. Little... I'm gonna write that down and put that in the description. <laughs> yeah. No, he quotes. He's got. 
probably some of the best lines if you can like get past the the trying to figure out what the accent is to actually listen to it but one of his lines is a quote from the crow which i like when movies quote other movies so he's opening do you know what it is i'm trying i love the crow i I know you know i can't remember so he's opening up the gun safe and he quotes fear is for the enemy fear and bullets i don't know you i came from the four roses I'm going to guess you're a little bit far from home. Well, don't let me smell fear on you. Fear is for the enemy. Fear and bullets. Lots of fucking bullets. You got the bastard of bastards. 357 for guaranteed head removal. That's that's a sweetie. You got your standard size 45, super size. That's a fucking hungry man right there. And you got the king of mayhem. Half cannon, sword of justice. Take this fucker to the Holy Land, start your own crusade. Any one of these is bound to make you feel better about what's bothering you. What about that one? This one? Take this and these. That's three fucking grand worth of killing. You got three grand worth of killing to do? There's five. Well, that makes you a preferred customer. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Wow. From this movie or from The Crow? No, I... Well, kind of from both, actually. There are a lot of other lines I remember from The Crow, but... Yeah, okay. <laughs> But yeah, so it's interesting to see the family, how the family dynamic works, because I don't think you really understand that Billy and Joey were brothers. Right. At the, you know, like he gets out of prison and and Garrett Hedlund like does this like forehead to forehead thing. Right. So you go, oh, they're kind of close. Right. And then um, when he's talking to John Goodman, he's like, the the interesting thing, and that's why I don't think they're like all powerful, is because he can't even afford his brother's funeral. Right. Um, So they just burnt, you know, so they... uh, Oh, right. Cremate him. Okay, yeah. And so that's what he tells John Goodman. He goes, they're burning Joey, by the way. And then John Goodman's like, well, then he's the luckiest one out of us all. Right. And so it's not until... And then Kevin Bacon's on the phone with Billy. And, and Billy says, says that's my brother. My he was my brother. Right. And Kevin Bacon, you see like a flash Great on his delivery. face like... He was my brother. Was awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then you're right. And then he's like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. this is deeper than I thought it was going to go. And then he's buying the guns to kill the gang from John Goodman. And John Goodman's like, are you going after my son? <laughs> and like, right. Kevin Bacon's like, yeah. Yeah, I am. You the motherfucker after my son, Billy? your son that'd make you the motherfucker killed joe that right you killed my youngest now you have to billy yeah yeah i'm after him 
Well, Billy's no damn doing of mine. Anything he did's no damn doing of mine. So, somebody needs to make somebody pay for something to make themselves feel better. Billy'd be the one to pay. Kill the little piss pants. See if it makes a down day's difference to me. Dad to dad. Don't tell me about it. Just go do it. Lord knows I've been patient. And you're a cash fucking customer. But you think about asking me where Billy is. I'll kill you. Go your way now. Go with God. Bag full of guns. Like he didn't know that beforehand, mm-hmm. and then he, by that point he's so gone and he's so like you know just motivated to kill everyone that he doesn't even uh, flinch. flinch. Yeah, right. He's just like, yep, yep, I am. And then John Goodman's like, all right. <laughs> well, there was a great line that he said. He's like, my son's got to pay for what he's done or whatever. But if you ask me where he is, I'll kill you. Which was kind of like a weird something like that, right? Mm-hmm. He said like, if if I'm you ask, it. it was something like if you ask me to help you or if you ask me to, you're a paying customer, so I'm going to sell you these guns. But if you ask me to tell you where my son is, I'll kill you. Which was an interesting kind of like, like I don't know why that they needed to put that line in there, but I liked it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Go your way now. Go your way now. Yeah. Go with God and a bag full of guns. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Like, he's just got, Great. like... Oh, such a good character. It's really good writing because nobody else in the film talks like this. Right. Like, I don't know if the writer wrote every single one of, the, like, the, the people's lines. But right. But that one, he was like, well, I'm going to make this guy sound completely different than anything right. anybody's been said. It before. was almost like that kind of, like, street prophet, like, wisdom. Like, he was almost like... I mean, he... Like, he seemed very wise in his musings to yeah. Kevin Bacon. You know, even though he was a bad guy... Not really a bad guy, but like a bad guy. Not a villain, but like a not a not a savory character in <laughs> right. the world of this movie. But he was also kind of like this, yeah, like this this you know mystical prophet kind of figure. Well, I like thought. one of like the hidden hidden trivia things is when he puts down one of the guns. I guess the gun is like I don't know anything about guns. I wish I was that cool, but like. Um, so he puts down a Desert Eagle Mark 14. Okay. I'm just trying to read Roman numerals here. 14. Okay, all right. No, 19. XIX. Yeah, that's 19. So the gun that. Thank you. The gun that Bones Darling pulls out saying, take this fucker to the Holy Land, start your own crusade. Right. Is a Desert Eagle 19, primarily designed and manufactured in Israel, aka the Holy Land. Wow. So I mean, like those like little bits. <laughs> so there's like, some layers there yeah. to that character. Well, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. And and I mean, if you and he's obviously smart because he's got really thick glasses. Oh yeah, he must re- <laughs> he must have read a ton with those eyes. <laughs> right. So by candlelight, nonetheless. If pressed, I would say that John Goodman is my favorite character in this movie. Um, and that's a good segue to the point where now Kevin Bacon has all the guns, and this is the moment. This is like the falling down moment where he's got his duffel bag full of guns, and he's on his way to their hideout to just basically go, you know, room by room, floor by floor, and kill them all. Mm. And at the end, when and you know, predictably, it's just him and Billy facing off. They end up both wounded, and they end up both sitting next to each other in what was like a, I think they said it was an abandoned mental hospital. So this was like a chapel. They end up in a chapel mm-hmm. on a pew. Yeah, on a pew next to each other. Pew pew. And <laughs> pew pew. And um, Billy says, which was which was way more again like subversive philosophy. He's like, I turned you into me. You know, he he says, Look at you. 
You look like one of us. Look what I made you. You know, I, I turned you into the thing that you despise. And he's right. He made Kevin Bacon, like, I mean, he, he's turned him into this, like, stone-cold killer, um, an animal. Mm-hmm. You know, even physically, his appearance is now very, like, um, he shaves his head. He's got scars and wounds that kind of mimic the tattoos and stuff. Right. And um, at the end, he ends up killing Billy in the chapel. And then um, there's a struggle and he gets the upper hand and shoots him and then goes back home and sort of like rests on his couch watching home movies when the police show up. Aisha Tyler shows up and tells him that his son has like woken up out of the coma. Mm. Right. And that's kind of where it ends is just him like staring at the TV. Except, uh, except and are you, I know what you're going to say. The extended version? Right. Yep. Go on. The extended version has like five more seconds where he closes his eyes and dies right yep and i've never seen that i just read about it that that (laughs) they said like there's an extended version where he succumbs to his injuries Mm -hmm. says exactly that good job with your memory (laughs) let's talk about the regular version so he's alive his son's alive and just based on what we know about movies that is not a happily ever after but that's like okay now he's got a chance to rebuild and kind of like repent for what he's done by forming a relationship with his son who's still alive and trying to still be a father you're looking at me like i'm crazy no because isn't he totally going to jail he just I mean, killed like 20 people <laughs> i didn't get that vibe i didn't th- like to me it was more like she came to so she's him the, the good worst news. detective yeah no i mean she's kind like, of she, great <laughs> she, she came to give him the, the good news like hey your son's alive way to go buddy <laughs> but you think something different based on the realism of the film like i would feel like Yes, you're right. He should go to jail. Absolutely, because he did just kill 20 people. But Mm -hmm. he's also the hero, and he's also Kevin Bacon. And I guess I just kind of thought like, oh, happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. But my point was, the extended ending, if he dies, like, that's just really sad. Because now the kid's in the hospital, wakes up, and it's like, hey, by the way, all your family is dead. And before your dad died, he did this terrible thing. Boy, he got vengeance on everybody. Right. And by he, the way, you won't live in anybody's shadow anymore. True. <laughs> true. It's all rainbows. So what happens in Death Sentence 2 then? <laughs> uh, You're the screenwriter. Oh, yeah. You would give, just, give me an elevator pitch you for want a death, pitch? death Sentence 2. Did anybody, did nobody survive? Uh, if that's what, what do you mean? Nobody, nobody in the gang survived. Oh, John no. Goodman died because. Oh, yeah, yeah. Billy kills John Goodman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole operation is done because really, Death Sentence too. I would just have the younger. What is his name? Even I don't even remember his name either. Part of the assholes. I don't remember his name either. To be Screw fair, that kid. Brennan was Lucas. Bre- oh, was Brennan the other one? Brennan was the yeah. The, Brennan was the good the one. Golden. Okay, so he's the one we remember. Yeah. yeah. All right. So Lucas is the other one. All right. You would have Lucas, right? Probably grow up being law enforcement. Maybe I mean Aisha would probably be his mentor in life because uh, okay. she appreciates what Kevin Bacon cleaning up the suburban streets. Kind of like a Boondock Saints kind of thing. Yeah. All right. And then something happens to Aisha, and he goes for vengeance. And Lucas gets be, is vigilante like his father. He's trying to fight it, right? Because his father went down that dark road. But there's the instinct within him somehow. Mm-hmm. That he's being drawn to this life of vigilantism. I like it. And he's got to hide it from his fellow officers and whatnot. I like it. So he's got a little bit more to lose because he's not just... So would it have something to do with the the Darley gang or just another random gang? I think the gang that took over... Because, you know, you can't just... So like maybe... You can't just make a hole so another gang is taking over. So like maybe another (laughs) gang, a worse gang, moves in because now Billy Darley's 
former territory is vulnerable. Right. It's like now an even bigger gang moves Yeah, Rosie in. O'Donnell's gang comes That's in. That's why. May, what? <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? I meant Roseanne Barr. <laughs> ah, damn it. <laughs> because of John Goodman? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That makes, damn it. That makes that way out. more sense. No, that's good. I like it. I'm going to write that down. But I was going to say um, Roseanne Barr's gang, and maybe they're bigger, and that's why they go after law enforcement and try to kill Aisha Tyler because they're more established or more mm-hmm. fearsome or whatever. Yeah, this is bigger and badder. I like that sentence too, bigger and badder. Death sentence too, and deader. <laughs> bigger, badder, and deader. I like it. That's so there great. you go. That's great. And that took you all of what, three minutes? Um, all right, let's talk about some critics here. Hold on. I or did you have something a, else? Oh, yeah, no, I had a... So this, obviously, Vigilante movie, the original was Death Wish, right? Right. Death Wish With based Charles, off of a book. Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was based off a book. And the writer of the... The author of the book hated how Death Wish movie came out because he's against the vigilante culture. So was the book... I think um, it's like a moral lesson of why you shouldn't like get revenge. Cri- like a criticism of that. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Death 2 is based off of the sequel of Death Wish, the book. And admittedly so, the book and Death Wish 2 and the movie Death Sentence are not alike whatsoever. But the author really likes what they did with Death Sentence because obviously it does not appeal to anybody watching the movie to go get revenge yourself because... Kevin Bacon happens. goes through some shit, you right. know? Right. So this, so the movie is more like a cautionary tale. Yeah. Okay. Which is what the author originally intended Death Wish the book and Death Wish the entire series to actually be. And then didn't they just remake Death Wish? With, with Bruce Willis. And it was like really bad? I've heard some things about... what was Who was the director of that horror bro? What's his name? Horror bro? Yeah, like he... I, uh, hostile, that guy. Um, oh, Eli Roth. Yeah. Yeah. Horror bro. Yeah, he's like... I don't know why, but I always picture him as like a motocross rider or something like that. I always got him confused with the guy from Heroes who played like the bad guy in that first season. I don't even know. Zachary Quinto. Oh, Spock? Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. I guess Spock, Spock to me looks, <laughs> that that Spock looks to me more like, and I can't think of the actor's name, but he was on Freaks and Geeks, and then he was in Knocked Up as the guy with the beard. I don't know. What? I, how do we start talking about this? I don't know. I don't remember either. Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Horror, Horror bro. bro. <laughs> Death Wish. Cabin Bruce Fever. Willis. Cabin Fever. Yeah, and that, oh, maybe that's why, because he's in Cabin Fever as a character, and he's a total bro he's like yeah. yeah i'm in the woods and i've got pot and stuff maybe that's why anyway so <laughs> so so the cautionary tale that is death sentence seems to do more justice to the book yeah death wish than yep. the actual film because vigilante movies should not be inspiring to go get your own revenge is probably a really good way to think about i wonder how too. it deals with the desire though because that to me like i mean i get cut off in traffic and i think about like getting revenge <laughs> like you know <laughs> flipping the flipping the bird to the driver you know not killing the driver but <laughs> okay. like i thought know, that's where we were going about, i was like no no, no 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 not at all you think about i mean you think about something you think like i hope it's more like karma i guess you think i hope that person gets what they deserve <laughs> see so, i go i hope that person really needs to get somewhere and you know what i've tried to train myself to think that way too like i my first reaction and i think this is a human instinct is to be like that fucker but then you don't deserve your license but then but then beyond that it's like well maybe that person is driving to the hospital because mm. something bad has happened and it's it's going to take a long time to untrain that instinct i think <laughs> But I'm glad you said that because that's definitely something over the past couple of years I've been trying to do. Nice. So, so yeah, critics. Critics went for, you know, our boy, Roger Ebert. 
who gave it two and a half out of four. Yep, so not okay. bad, kind of like, you know, a little over run of the mill. Uh, he compared Death Sentence to the Death Wish films, uh, Death, which you obviously have to do, but saying, starring Charles Bronson, saying, in the Bronson movies, the hero just looked more and more determined until you felt if you tapped his face, it would explode. In Death Sentence, Bacon acts out a lot more. He called it very efficient, praising a courtroom scene of true surprise and suspense and some other effective moments, but concluded that basically this is a movie about a lot of people shooting at each other. Um, which was like a run-of-the-mill critique of the film. Yeah. And they kept saying like, well, the ending was overly violent and whatnot. But I feel like the whole film is crescendoing. And so if you just went to like, if you did Breaking Dawn Part 2, where everybody shakes their hand and goes their separate ways with the whole vampiric war. What's Breaking Dawn? The fourth Twilight? Oh, <laughs> you lost me there. <laughs> Twilight was written. Oh, wait, a minute, wait a minute. No, I do know that because I watched a Watch Mojo video. Do you know what Watch Mojo is? They do video yeah. lists on YouTube. And it was like the top 10 worst movie plot twists or something like that. And they were talking about one of the Twilight movies where they have this big epic battle scene and then it like turns out to be a dream well, or the- something. And then they like inspires them not to fight right is that what you're talking about kind of okay the books so stephanie meyer who wrote the twilight series she shout out to watch mojo tag watch mojo <laughs> i like them she is mormon okay and so she wrote four what? books <laughs> really yeah so she wrote four she's books. not a very good mormon doesn't, why not i mean it doesn't that all I, I, you know what I I, <laughs> I I i um immediately retract that remark because i don't know enough about mormonism to critique it but my initial thought was that they that the mormon church wants nothing to do with demons and vampires oh that's probably true there but i mean like these aren't real <laughs> vampires they twinkle and sparkle and everything like that What's a and, real and, vampire dude and they kill deer <laughs> oh for what purpose to eat they don't they try not to kill humans or what because they don't even have fangs they're just they're taking like what yeah you, they're taking your mouth and ripping open deer necks <sighs> um <laughs> anyway so this you, is ugh, ugh. you read four novels in the twilight spoiler alert <laughs> but you read four novels of the twilight series it all ramps up to the war and the battle is literally them shaking hands and walking away so what hollywood did was they made a dream sequence of this huge battle oh to, and then flipped it because to kind of like satiate that like yeah payoff that okay. need and that's a perfect way to say it if you don't have a bunch of people shooting each other at the end of this movie, you are not going to satiate the the payoff. Well, what I, that was Ebert's review. Yeah. What well, he, Ebert's and like across the board, like people just thought they, this was overly. What would violent. they have expected? Like what? What would have pleased them? Well, that's what. Like I think, like the whole time talking about this, I think they need. They wanted a main character who had a definitive plan for revenge. Right. And they wanted the main character to win in the end. They Were didn't they, want that moral <laughs> lesson of vigilante justice. Is so not these the way are probably the same critics that criticize law-abiding citizen for the exact thing that they're saying is lacking in this movie, which is like a cerebral revenge scheme. Mm. And like a big, you know, like that kind of payoff. It's like, you know, on one hand, there's that giant planning, 10-year plan to get revenge. And here it's just brutal, brutal violence. Right. And it's like, what's the what's the happy medium for the critics? Like, how do you get revenge and I didn't to, to, find please, to please the critics? There's something that if anybody's going to go out and watch Death Sentence, which I think you should. I do too. Hollywood now with like digital video and everything are getting very lazy with how they make films. And so when they when they truly choreograph where camera angles are in complete scenes, it stands out like no other. Like, did you ever see the Birdman? Birdman? No. Birdman is done 
where the entire film looks like it's done in one shot. Oh, yeah. And it's perfectly planned out in that. James Wan does some of that work here, where even in entering, if you're looking for it, and I hope you do, and I'm going to just turn your brains on when you watch Death Sentence for this, there's even a scene where you enter in Kevin Bacon's like office building, mm-hmm. and the camera's going down the, the, the floors between the cubicles, mm-hmm. and then the camera lifts up and goes over the cubicles, and then back down like the uh, floor. It's okay. like a smooth shot. Right. Amazingly done. That- and even better is the parking garage scene. Right. That is a great segue. Birdman was what, like five years ago, six years ago, something? Yeah, 2012. This was 2007. In 2003, there was a little movie called Bad Boys 2, directed <laughs> by Michael Bay, uh-huh. in which there's a gunfight scene in a room where yes. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are back-to-back with these Haitian drug dealers, and it's a continuous shot, not a long one, maybe about 30, 45 seconds close to a minute, whatever, that goes in and out of bullet holes, in and out of doorways, all in one continuous shot that, like, that's the first time I remember seeing something like that. And I said good segue because we'll give you a little a, a little treat, something we don't normally do. We don't normally preview the episodes that we're going to do next, mm-hmm. but for this one, we were going to try and do something a little different. Normally, we talk about movies that are either underrated or we, f- we feel unfairly criticized. We're going to do it with a director, and that director is Michael Bay. <sighs> let, the, let the audience gasp for a minute or throw or turn this off or throw something at the... Oh, I just gasped for that. Oh, all right, good. That's all we're going to say right now in the theme of the show where just like this movie, and I like that we came full circle and were able to bring in Michael Bay mm-hmm. at the end because I think that's, that's an interesting, cool segue. You know, this movie, was this movie James Wan's first uh no directorial no because he did like saw and everything oh that's right it was from the director of saw Mm -hmm. so the movie the movie we've learned was sort of like not lamented by critics but lukewarm reception would you say that yeah i I feel like they just didn't know how to take it and here's another thing that i thought of recently was i don't think critics should critique a film unless they see it twice why is that Because the first time you watch a film, you're just trying to, like, get it. You know, like, you're trying to intake it. Where the second time, you can really appreciate what it's doing. I feel like that I saw Joker twice, and you're completely right. Yeah. Yeah, that's not, that's, I don't, and and, and especially if that's your job, I don't feel like that's an unreasonable And really what you're doing when you're watching it the first time, you are, like, the first time, great. Take notes, you know, figure out what you're going to say and everything like that. And then the second time, watch the film mm-hmm. and, and and really bring it in. Mm-hmm. Like you said, if that is your job, I think you should do every movie just cause instead of just bashing something because your head was in the notes and you missed the fact that the line referenced the Holy Land with a gun specifically made for the Holy Land. So this is your first time seeing the movie. Are you yep. going to watch it again? Yeah. Nice. Definitely, because I feel like half the time Kelly Preston was on the screen, I was like, oh, man, I love Kelly Preston. <laughs> no, I've known you for 20 plus years. I had no idea. There is a certain quality, a certain je ne sais quoi uh-huh. <clears throat> about some actresses. Like, I really appreciate Gilmore Girls okay. because of Lorelai Gilmore and how Lauren Graham comes off in that. Okay. And then, like, my, I think the sexiest movie, maybe one of the sexiest movies of all time is Unfaithful. Which oh, have you ever seen Richard that? Gere with Diane, Diane Lane. Lane and she because she just she has... is definitely like a fine wine Diane Lane and that's Kelly Preston I feel she as well. was even Diane Lane was even sexy and attractive in Judge Dredd <laughs> which no small feat right the only other really quirky thing about this movie that I can point out is do you remember the hockey scenes like 
when the kid was playing hockey? Yeah, when he was on the ice. No, why? Because somebody does. Because most of the IMDb trivia is all about the hockey scenes. How so? Well, I think somebody that's writing on the IMDb page for the trivia of this was one of the extras on the ice because all they do is talk about things that happened on the ice. Like apparently the guy playing the golden boy, the golden child was uh, standing by the net. Eddie Murphy, the golden child? (laughs) No, go on. Uh, He was standing by the net as the extras who were actual hockey players were warming up and hitting pucks. And then it was all about like, should he stand by the net? Because he's going to get hit by a puck and maybe they should move him away from the net. So a production assistant got involved and what? A whole paragraph. Do you, I mean, do you want me to read it? No. <laughs> I get the idea. I mean, so, so like, like, yeah, it's so all somebody about who was an extra in this movie is just trying to milk it. Right. Okay. And then there's another one about like originally Stuart Lafferty's character, Brandon Hume, was to put wear a hockey helmet with a mask and no visor after a local hockey player who was the younger brother of an extra seen the film saw this as unbelievable. <laughs> like, da 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 da. Just what? one thing after another about a hockey scene that really is probably I don't even remember seven that. Seven seconds of the movie. At the beginning, right? Yeah. Or- Golly. <laughs> so it's just funny that like I think like just one local random hockey player extra who's probably going to Google this film in within the next two months and realize that we did a review on it. Maybe. And we'll listen. Like, good job, bro. Like, I'm glad you got your, your IMDb credits. I mean, yeah. So if that's your claim to fame, if you were the... I'm going to go through this and say everything that he wrote is interesting. I don't know. Everybody's got something, I guess. I was not expecting to end this episode on the... Um, notion of hockey nitpicks right in the film death sentence but here we are well let's throw out the michael bay yep you already introduced it and everything if anybody is a michael bay supporter and wants your voice heard on like your favorite michael bay moment in a film right or your favorite michael bay film or why he's an underrated director or just gets i don't know if he's underrated he just gets trashed he really does like every time there's an explosion in the movie they're like oh they're michael baying it and i don't think that's fair we don't think it's fair it's absolutely not and we'll get into this more during the next episode but race basically if you stuck with us through this one and want to chime in i guess the best way to do that would be to reach out to us on twitter with post or a direct message or something like that (laughs) direct message dm (laughs) sorry (laughs) okay boomer (laughs) anyway so (laughs) um yeah and let us know if you want to say something good about michael bay because we think he he gets a bad rap yep there's a facebook page as well oh which i mean you could even the way that facebook works right now you can even like upload your voice on a facebook and oh perfect use that Perfect. And I was going to say, I think I'm going to consider possibly trying to be more active uh, on Twitter for this show as my New Year's resolution. Oh, nice. It's still November. I've got a way to go, but we'll see. So, all right. This has been Second Chance Cinema. Watch Death Sentence. Don't do anything Kevin Bacon does in that movie um, other than love your family. Right. And and try to protect them as much as possible. And uh, Kelly Preston's bro hope you're listening. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Death Sentence was produced by Hyde Park Entertainment and Baldwin Entertainment Group. It was distributed by 20th Century Fox. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's soundtrack, composed by Charlie Klauser. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. That's 2ndchancecinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNsBro or check us out on Instagram at 2ndchancecinema. 
to help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. And remember, if you plan on getting revenge on someone, best come up with a plan and then go with God and a bag full of guns. Enjoy your day.